Good evening and welcome to Educationally Speaking on KVMR. This is the show that looks into people and topics that impact our local schools. I'm your host, Scott Lay, Nevada County Superintendent of Schools. And tonight I'm joined by Chris Espidal, Director of School Safety for my office, the Nevada County Superintendent of Schools. Chris, welcome to the show on the hottest day of the year. Hey, Scott, thanks so much. It's happy. I'm happy to be here in this air-conditioned building. It thanks is for a, having me. It is a great day uh, to be in an air-conditioned building. I'm looking here at the bottom of the computer telling us what the uh, temperature is, and it's saying 107, and that just shouldn't be in Nevada City ever. Right? Ever. So perfect context. We've had a few events today uh, in our schools. We've had fire. We've had a... Uh, uh, we, we did an evacuation of two schools as a, um, it wasn't a mandatory evacuation, it was a warning, but out of uh, just concern for kids, we got them out. So a lot we can talk about. So the timing to have you on tonight, perfect. So thank you. So first, Chris, to start us off, can you tell our listeners what is your role as the Director of School Safety and who do you provide resources to in this county? Sure. So my role, really, Scott, is a lot like being um, a part of a library. I serve as a resource to all the schools in the county for all things safety. So I do safety training. I point them in the right direction to get questions answered. I help them develop the comprehensive school safety plans and implement those plans. I respond and give them support during times of need for any disaster or emergency. And I help to keep the flow of collaboration and cooperation serving as a liaison between our local law enforcement, fire service, public health department, behavioral health, and multiple other agencies within Nevada County. So really quite a simple job, coordinating all those services, yes. <laughs> and I know you and I have joked that, you know, when, when we see your phone number, at least I know, when I see your phone number, Saturday night, Sunday morning, it could be a Thursday evening. That means something's going on in the county and, and pick it up right away. And I know that's what you do for our, our local uh, first responders, law enforcement, fire. And that's what they do when they see your number come on. Right. I'm beginning to get a complex. I step onto a campus and people want to know what's going on. Yeah, and, yeah. Why are you here? Right. Maybe I'm just there to say hi. But typically <laughs> that's not the case. In there. Well, you know, and, uh, yeah. Just trying to help out or, or do some training, so uh, all those things. So, Chris, how long have you been in this role? Because you were in this role before I became the superintendent of schools. I believe my predecessor, Holly Hermanson, with a great uh, visionary sense, brought you on, hired you, thinking this is a necessary position, and boy, did she turn out to be right. Oh, she sure did, and I just saw her recently and um, thanked her again for having that foresight of the need for somebody to oversee and provide resources on school safety in Nevada County. So I think I'm coming up on my ninth year at the superintendent of schools office, and I think back to that first day walking onto the job and... Um, Char Johns at the time said, okay, maybe you should order a chair and then figure out what your job is. So, <laughs> and, and, Char at that, <laughs> and Char at that time was the associate superintendent in the office. Right. I said, right. Right. So, so I've been trying to do that ever since. Right. And it the, seems to be ever changing. I think it was. It's like so many positions, if you create, you know there's a need, but you're not quite sure what exactly that person does. Right. Um, and, and knowing we needed the role and then having you come in and figure out what is that role and i know we'll talk a little later how that role has evolved over the years from what its original 
purpose we thought would be to what we're doing now. It's become very multifaceted. Right, Scott. And I started off um, nine years ago, really just developing relationships, really jumping in and in introducing myself, not just to the superintendents or administrators on school sites, but reaching out to local law enforcement, fire service, and putting a face to the name with them and them to me to develop those relationships um, to move forward throughout the years. Yeah, yeah, you certainly have. Uh, and I know we've had multiple counties call us up, ask us how you start this position, what does it look like? And we always tell them, especially you doing, it's relationships. If you don't have the relationship built, nothing else will take place. That's right, Scott. We have um, built relationships over the years, you and I together, too, as we continue to move forward in this position and provide the support to our community. Those relationships have grown, expanded, changed. And that's the tough part, because when we have turnover of superintendents, Mm -hmm. of our local CHP commander, our local um, sheriffs, um, all, all those different agencies, when they have turnover, that affects us. And it means reaching out again. It, it, it does. And, and for our listeners out there, one of the things I think that's unique, I didn't think it was to our county, um, but after traveling around to other counties and talking to colleagues, it is very unique, is the relationship piece in our county with uh, all law enforcement working together with no egos. There's no turf uh, check our, you know, law enforcement, CDF, CAL FIRE, they all work together seamlessly. Uh, and when it comes to school, it's just for the, to keep the kids safe. doesn't matter what bad shows up, what car you're driving, they're there for one and one and one purpose. So it's amazing. It's great, what Scott. We've got here. Even today, if we look back just a couple hours when you and I were sitting around a table with the chief of police from Grass Valley, Alex Gamelgard, and our new chief of police in Nevada City, and sheriff's office represented, it's, they come and they meet yeah. with our administrators and really collaborate to yeah. work together to um, be prepared. And yeah. one of them, I forget which one said today, the importance of preparedness that I always say the time to learn how to use a fire extinguisher is not when there's no, a fire. No. And so we're always thinking ahead, working and planning for the what ifs. Yeah. And I think that was Steve Johnson from the Grass Valley Police Department that said that. It was absolutely right. That's why we, why part of your job is going out and um, training our schools to run drills. The reason you run a drill is so it's rote memory. When something really happens, you just go to it automatically. You're not pulling out your book from the shelf. Well, what do we do in this case? So, that's right. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back a minute. Just tell you about your, your background is very unique for this role, and I, I think it's almost one of a kind, which is which is great, and it's also really bad. By you know, as we look down the road of, of you know, once you retire, which by the way, I, I told her she never can. But when that, <laughs> if she doesn't listen and does, um, and also difficult for other counties, is is that background that really brought you the mission. So tell us a little bit about that working at the state and federal level. Yeah. So originally I began in the medical field and started there. And then I branched out with the medical training. Um, I moved over into the school nurse's office at Bear River High School, used that training there. Um, But then I applied for and was granted a position with the Federal Disaster Medical Assistance Team and the state California Medical Assistance Team. And that came about after I deployed with Dr. Kevin Maxwell to um, Hurricane Katrina. Got there, saw the chaos of just self-deployers, if that's Mm -hmm. a word, and realized there has to be an umbrella, an organization overseeing all of this. 
I learned more about it and came back and applied and served on the um, Disaster Medical Assistance Team, CA-11. And what we do is we go out and set up standalone um, hospitals in the event of disasters. I was in Puerto Rico and have traveled all over to many different deployments just trying to um, provide the help to those who are in crisis. So that compare, or along with my medical training, and then I went back to school and got my degree in emergency management because I loved the whole idea of organization, mm-hmm. and that's what caught the eye of Holly. Right, with that. And and I think you left out cheerleader coach, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's probably River. the most experience yeah, yes, I have. Yes, but, but I think what's unique is you do have that state, that federal, uh, you have the medical, and you have the school. I do. You, you get how they all interact, because oftentimes people don't understand. We each have our languages, we each have the way of operating. Uh, and to put all those pieces together, you can instantly talk the talk, whether it's with educators, it's with law enforcement, it's with CAL FIRE, uh, or, or, or public health department. It's you know what to do, what to say, how to get it done. Right. My years at Bear River High School, I also was um, a an, an employee of the Nevada Joint Union High School District in an emergency management role in implementing a grant at the time. And it was the Readiness Emergency Management for Schools grant. And that grant was across all the high school districts. And implementing that and training staff in that really led to um, branching out to include all other schools in the county. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, with all that, it is the start of another school year. We've mentioned there's a few things that have come up, but as we start, what are the priorities related to safety as students and staff return to campuses? We've been in school now a couple of weeks. What are they? Oh, gosh. Priorities. Hmm. Um, so I think that one of the most important things is what you talked about, Scott, is the drills and the trainings. And I am in the process of getting out to all of our school sites to train staff and to provide any type of resources students may need, but also it's it's getting the information out to parents on preparedness of them thinking of he- ahead mm-hmm. to what they need to do to prepare. Right. Can you give us uh, some examples? What of trainings? Uh, yeah, some of the trainings that you're doing sure. in schools. Sure. So um, when I go out to a school, I've kind of changed things up this year just to try to. Um, keep safety at the forefront of our staff members' minds. So rather than the death by PowerPoint uh, route, I do um, really interactive trainings where they're more like a modified tabletop exercise, Mm -hmm. and I'm pushing out scenarios to the staff and asking, in this moment of the scenario, at this time in your role at your school, what would you do? And it's kind of a turn and talk type training, But from there, that leads to deeper conversations, deeper training, and um, deeper opportunity to um, build their skills. Right. Yeah, which is critical. If you keep doing the same old thing, you know, the odds of that specific event you train for are probably not going to happen. So the idea of giving them different scenarios, different things to think about, so they're really looking at options, not specific specific things. That's great. Well, today, you know, we we had a fire. Um, and we've got the concern for wildland fires. I think all of us kind of held our breath over Labor Day weekend. It's been in the past a time we've had some major fires break out. Seems to be okay in that area. But with that, I'm sure parents are wondering, are our school sites prepared for a fire? Great question, Scott. And I would say that we have done all that we can do, done our due diligence in preparing all of our school sites for whatever might happen on their specific campuses. That being said, the conversations with 
Cal Fire, with local fire departments, having plans in place and practicing those plans for a shelter in place that would be used in the event of a wildland fire, similar to the campfire, mm-hmm. where we didn't have time to evacuate. What is our plan? And the plan would be to shelter in place, most likely in the gymnasium on the school sites, and, and then fire would come and defend the site. That's a that's a touchy that subject. Is. That when is. Parents, that's a tough one for parents. Yeah, it is. But <clears throat> we'll take, for example, um, Chicago Park, who are pretty remote and have had multiple fires that they have had to respond to. They just recently, I think yesterday, did a drill with the local fire department because their school site has become the community shelter in place right. if they can't get out. Right. So that's um, that's a great thing that these students who are used to marching outside, lining up for mm-hmm. evacuations, doing something a little bit different in the event of a wildland fire that prohibited them from being evacuated in a safe manner. Yeah, and, and as you and I have talked, each new incident out of something bad comes something good. And with that, think back to the river fire and how quickly that moved. Had school been in session uh, for, for Chicago Park, that might have been the scenario they needed to go to rather than trying to get kids in cars with smoke and, and chaos. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Emergency management is based on lessons learned. Yep. And unfortunately, we have to learn those hard lessons to make the changes to improve our response to any type of emergency. We do. Well, let's, let's talk about specifics. So, you know, any parents, if you have, if you're in the South County, um, and we did have a fire down on McCourtney Road today, or McCourtney and Ballantree, and it had the potential to spread, so immediately evacuation zones went up. So kind of talk us through the, the, that piece for a parent, to, you know, something that we, we just had a few hours ago and, and the response. Absolutely. So we jumped on that right away. I tried to take a lunch today and was called back to the office immediately because of that, but that's okay. Um, that I think that that's what I would want parents to know is that when these types of incidents break out, we are on it. We are communicating with law enforcement, with fire service. Um, Scott and I are side by side pulling up zones, seeing which of our school sites may be affected by a warning or a mandatory evacuation. In the event of today's fire, the McCourtney fire, we had a school site that was in a warning, but not a uh, mandatory evacuation. But after consideration of the winds and the potential for spreading, we made the decision to go ahead and safely evacuate. There was time for parents to come and pick up their students, and there was a backup plan in case they couldn't. We have a great um, collaborative relationship with Durham um, Student Services, and they were on standby to help out as well. So all those plans that are in place prior to the event help us to respond smoothly, quickly, and efficiently in the events like today. Yeah, it does. It's all of us working together behind the scenes, making sure that we're ready and doing the safest things for those for the students. So absolutely. So we got it. We've got it covered at schools. And at home, what can parents uh, do to prepare students for, for safety at home, be it a wildfire? I mean, that's, that's really what, you know, kind of what's on our mind now. We had snowmageddon back in December, so uh, there's, there's a lot of different things. And, you know, they're only at school 
seven hours a day. So that's a lot of time, 17 more hours at home. That's right, Scott. So our Nevada County Office of Emergency Services, they have done an amazing job in wildfire preparedness. Most recently, they have distributed, once again, the Ready, Set, Go pamphlets that help walk through parents and families and all community members on what to do in the event of a fire and how to prepare for it. So we have pushed those out as well, sent them home with students. And I think the main point I would want to get across to parents is have those conversations with your students. What will they do if it's after school and they're walking home or dropped off at a bus stop and a wildland fire breaks out? Where do they go? Or if they're home alone, many of our students may be home alone if they're at the age to be so. And they, what do they do? Do they let animals out? Do they put animals in crates? Do they grab go bags? Do they notify neighbors? Is a neighbor going to pick them up? If we think back last year, Scott, to the Bennett fire, as you recall, when we opened up the um, EVAC Center at Nevada Union High School, we had law enforcement dropping off student-age children who were left home and had no way to get away from the danger and to the safe evacuation site. So having those plans in place, parents having the communication open with their students before anything happens, like where would where would they meet? Who would they call? How would they notify their families that they're safe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do remember that. The, when one girl in particular got, got dropped off and made the sheriff's department, made sure they made contact with one of us in charge of the evacuation center. We made sure she then stayed with one of our staff members until her parents could come get her. Right. But knowing that, yeah, but that plan of... of uh, there wasn't knowing, a plan in that case. And in that case, there, there wasn't. Plan. No, there wasn't. But thank goodness it worked out for, right. for the girl right. and her Well, the schools will always step up and step in, mm-hmm. lean into um, assisting our students, whether it's a school day, before school, after school, yeah. or on the weekend, we're there for them. Yep. We will be there. So staff members, how, how do we train our staff members in safety? So our staff members at NCSOS office, um, we all meet together at the beginning of the year for a kickoff, and I review the safety plans for each of them. And all of our school sites do the same. They have um, professional development days, and most every school in our county call me out to do a review of our safety plans with all of our staff. Another thing that I like to do, I call them what ifs, and I'm trying to do it monthly. I send out to all the school principals a what if scenario, and they push it out via email to their staff. The staff then can talk about it all day long. What if this happened? What is your role in that moment in this scenario? Hopefully they know the answers, but if they don't, it's an opportunity to learn and to Mm -hmm. ask. Mm -hmm. So that's keeping safety every single month at the forefront of their minds. Yeah, yeah, very important. And, you know, going back to a a very sad event in Texas, the Uvalde shooting, um, which came as we kind of closed up the 21-22 school year. What is the best practice for school sites to try to be prepared for a threat of this magnitude uh, and how are staff and students trained? What, what do we do for that? Our, yeah, that's kind of our, you know, our deepest, darkest fear, yet we're not going to turn a blind eye to it. We want to be prepared to try to mitigate whatever we can. That's right, Scott. We are, um, that's a subject we don't like to talk about, but we need to talk about. And so the training for that in the past has been a protocol called ALICE, Alert, Lockdown, Inform, Counter, Evacuate. 
And best practice now, both state and federally, is run, hide, fight. And the premise behind all of that and in that training is to delay and distract. So decisions by staff members in the event of an active shooter are based on what they hear, what they see, and what they know. And they make a decision to run with their students if that's safe, if it is safe for them to do, to a safe and secure spot rather than running toward the incident. So run or evacuate would be your first choice if that is safe to do so in the moment Mm -hmm. based on what you hear, what you see, and what you know. Hide would be if they don't have time to get to a safe and secure place, they would lock down in their classroom, but go beyond just locking the doors and closing the blinds. They would barricade the doors to delay entry, and in that barricade, they would have um, a route of exit in mind should the uh, intruder breach the door. So rather than huddled in a corner, students would be spread out to the sides of the doors where If the intruder breached the door and they had to distract by screaming, yelling, throwing things, you know, firing off the fire extinguisher, students could also be rushing the door and escaping Mm -hmm. in that moment. So um, we've come a long way in our plans. None of them are foolproof, unfortunately. I would love to say that they are, but there Mm -hmm. are plans. And I think that these the run, hide, fight empowers staff to make decisions based on what they hear, see, and know, rather than simply following a um, tone, lockdown tone, and closing the doors, mm-hmm. locking the doors, and just hiding. Yeah, it gives yeah. it empowers them. It does. I would also say that many of our schools are moving toward an emergency management system, communication system in place where they are able to communicate with the staff who may be in a lockdown or any other emergency and update them frequently on what is going on in that incident. Anytime we have communication and information, it de-escalates the situation. So that's pretty exciting, too. That is. That is. Do we ever, you know, and and I know the answer to this, but law enforcement's participation. Why don't you tell our our listeners, uh, with this training you just talked about and what we're, we're teaching kids to do and staff, law enforcement running training with them yes absolutely so um, luke browning at nevada union high school just recently um, worked together with his team there and with the superintendent of schools office and we invited administrators from all the school sites to come on the lockdown safety day Mm -hmm. and watch and observe how the lockdown is done as well, there was probably, I'm going to guess, eight to ten law enforcement that showed up, would you there say? There were, absolutely, yeah, yeah. wanting and, to see how it played out. Yeah. Right, and they watched how it played out, made recommendations on what they saw, and that's huge. And It was taken seriously and walked through from start to finish, and then we all debriefed after, which is really important. That's, again, lessons learned. Yeah. So. Um, At Nevada Union, several years ago, we collaborated with Nevada Union High School to develop a safety video with law enforcement, fire service, Office of Emergency Services, and our state parks. And we walked through every drill. So the students first observe a video of whatever drill they're doing, earthquake drill, fire drill, whatever it is. And then they actually play out the drill. Right. So it was pretty good to see... um, just the 
I hesitate to use the word enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm of law enforcement knowing that we truly are taking it seriously yeah. and training. They yeah. were impressed. And for Nevada Joint Union, especially the NU team, to allow outside visitors to see any potential flaws right. in the system. I mean, they were learning. I think that was great. Open door, which is encouraging other schools to say, hey, I want to do the same thing. We need to run this. I want law enforcement there. I want other people watching so you can point to things we need to do better. Right. And when, Scott, it, it goes it really back happens. to relationships. Yep. You know, law enforcement rolls onto a school campus and they now recognize the face that is there to greet them. Yep. Absolutely. And, and the relationships between the districts as well of trusting. Like, you know, come in and see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Let's work together. Well, that's not only what we do here in the county office or your role. We've got so many other things that came along, you know. Right now, you know, we're dealing with extreme heat. We are. And we help our schools out that way, too. We do. So um, I'm in close communication with California Department of Public Health for many reasons. And uh, one of those reasons is air quality and extreme heat advisories. Mm -hmm. So the information that I receive on extreme heat advisories is pushed out to all of our school sites to um, have them take a look at where we're ranking in that extreme heat. By ranking, I mean what level is the right. heat. And we're at the top right we're now. We're at the color-coded. We're we, in the purple. We are in the purple. Which is bad for smoke and bad for heat. Absolutely. Don't want to be in the purple. But um, it's making the school sites aware to that there is a need to make adjustments to their outside activity. Mm -hmm. So really I serve as a reminder to them and a resource to them to prepare for the days right and i know today we had a lot of questions there can you send that chart back out even though you'd sent it last friday yep so they had it right at their fingertips to know what to do to keep right. kids kids and staff safe and then you know let's not forget what we we thought was maybe coming today we heard whispers of it on friday uh was a psps and and brownouts uh were, were projected to hit nevada city and and south county so far so good well you um, spoke that out loud and the night is young well, I'm, I'm feeling i'm feeling better now we're you know at five to seven so uh i was a little more concerned at three o'clock right. watching the temperature go up right but with that you know coordinating pspss we do we coordinate pspss and, the and make sure we're not in, responsible for them we coordinate the response i should clarify correct. to our listeners correct so um our school sites um it's difficult to um have a school day without power. They need water for bathrooms, they need mm -hmm. electricity, they need internet service and all of that. Typically with the PSPS, we get a 24-hour notification that's, that uh, schools may be affected by that. So, Scott, you and I are up at 5.30 on those mornings, and we collaborate with all the schools and Office of Emergency Services to make decisions on keeping schools open or closed for the safety of the students and for the well-being of the learning um, education uh, classrooms on those days. Indeed we do. Those are long days. <laughs> those are long days. And then let's not forget COVID, Can which we're we all trying that? to forget, but it's still with us, still have high numbers. Uh, we'd be in, be in the purple in the old system where everything would be shut down right now, but we're not. We're, we're learning to live with it. So what are we still doing for the schools with COVID right now? Oh, boy. So I feel like um, the superintendent of schools office has become a distribution and warehouse center. And um, just recently, we distributed 62,000 at-home COVID tests. We're asking parents to not send their children to school sick and to test them first if they have any symptoms. So the the restrictions and requirements have lessened some but we don't want them to forget that it is still a um, pandemic 
heading toward endemic state, and we want them to take it seriously. Keep your children home if they're sick, please. Absolutely. Staff as well. Let's keep schools open, classrooms open. Absolutely. Um, last thing, we've got about two minutes left, Chris. How has your job changed over the years since its inception? <laughs> wow. Yeah. It has Loaded just expanded and grown and um, brought in the medical field that I thought I was out of now bringing back, back COVID in. and all yeah. of that. But it's good. It's good. And it is expanded throughout the state and the nation and is recognized as a really important role for our schools. Absolutely. It's critical. And as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing more and more county offices of education come up with a role like we have here in Nevada County. It truly was one of the first county office programs to have a director of school safety. You're seeing it more at, uh, uh, even in uh, the California Department of Education. Mm -hmm. They are doing more of this, um, pulling task force together with that. So one minute kind of right there, final message to parents. Preparedness students. is everything. Please have your go bags ready, have your plan ready, and talk with your children. Not to scare them, but to prepare them. Not to scare them and prepare them. That's, that's, that is critical to do that. Um, yeah. So anything else, Chris? We've, uh, we've got this like now. What have we got? Like 30, 40 seconds. So left. my... Um, my emails end with always stay safe and healthy. And now I've stay safe, healthy, and cool. Stay safe, healthy, and cool. Well, let's hope that we can do that. I think if we, we read it correctly, we've got through the hottest day of the year today, although the, uh, the heat forecast is scheduled to go through, I think, Friday, Friday. at 8 p.m. Yes. Hopefully it'll, it'll lift just in time for our football games at the high school. Um, and uh, the kids will be able to be out there, play safely. All right. So uh, with that, I want to thank you, Chris, very much for coming and being here tonight. We've been talking with Chris Espidal, Director of School Safety for the Nevada County Superintendents of Schools. I want to thank our listeners. I hope you have a good evening. Try to stay cool and, uh, and, and keep an eye on each other. Let's keep our community safe. All Absolutely. Right. Thank good. you, Scott. Thank you. Good night.